Good job, church. I know that can be uncomfortable sometimes to pray out loud or be put on the spot, but like Dave said, we don't, we don't ask you to pray out loud if you don't feel comfortable with that, but we are called to pray and to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that was a great way to do it. I, I, I appreciate that time that we were able to spend to do that. Well, it's so good to see you here today. We are in the book of Luke, chapter 1. If you would turn, that, turn there in your Bibles, or if you don't have a Bible, you can feel free to grab one there out of the pew rack in front of you and uh, go to Luke chapter 1. We are continuing to forge our way through the Gospels, and uh, we say forge because it goes slow, and uh, we're in Luke 1, right? It's the first part of the Gospels. So we started a series beginning of November uh, called Written So That You Might Believe, and that's kind of our, our anchoring point. An anchoring verse comes out of John chapter 20, verse 31, and it reads this. It says, But these are written, talking about the Gospels, the accounts of Christ, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. Uh, most important thing we could ever find is life in the name of Jesus Christ. And so it, it's, it's, uh, it'd behoove of us to, to read about uh, the work and life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and to learn more about who he is and to see uh, what the Gospels tell us all about him. So during our, our series, it'll take several years to get through. We'll take some breaks in between. But we are taking the accounts of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and bringing them where they, where they meet up and, and match up and, and talk about the similar accounts. We'll, we'll put them together and talk about it, the big picture of what we see. Uh, today we have one account of uh, what's called Mary's song or Mary's praise. Uh, it's Mary's response to the news from Gabriel that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. So we're going to read that today and look at that account uh, in Luke 1, starting in verse 39 in just a minute. We started this series kind of laying a foundation, three weeks of foundation about the Scriptures, the, the, the authority of Scripture, that we can trust the Scriptures, that they, they are written and put together so that we could believe and they can be tested. Uh, then we went into Jesus. Who, who is Jesus? And Jesus is preeminent, that he is preexistent, that he is God. Uh, he is an equal part of God as, as the Father is, as the Holy Spirit is, that there are three in one, right? And then we looked at Jesus in his humanity, that he is not only fully God, he is fully man when he came, humbled himself as a baby. And now we enter into this, this perfect timing of Advent, right? That season of Advent where we celebrate Christmas. And uh, I love the decorations. We had hanging of the boughs last night. It was a fun time together to to do that together as a church family, but it, it just focuses our heart and, and zeroes us in on Jesus and on Christmas again. Um, we'll see a little bit of this in a minute when we look at Mary's song, but there are, there are times in our life and things in our life and seasons even in our life that, that God is just magnified in our lives, isn't he? That we see just a, a, a bigger glimpse, a bigger picture of who Christ is and what he's done, and it, it just wells up within us this joy and this excitement and, and this building of faith and encouraging of faith. And we're going to see how that happened with Mary as well. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we started the Advent season with the um, an, uh, pronouncement to, to Zechariah from the angel Gabriel, right? Zechariah was uh, fulfilling his priestly duty in the, in the temple, and he was lighting the incense. And during that time, there's people offering prayers outside. And, and this whole scene got set up. And I want you to kind of remember this. This is important to today's text as well. Zechariah, whose name means Yahweh remembers, right, his, his promise, he remembers, and then his wife, Elizabeth, her name means the promise or covenant of God. And then John's name, he used to be, used to be called John, means God is gracious. So there's this amazing promise of God that, that Yahweh remembers the promise or covenant and that he is gracious, right? This whole picture that it's showing. So in all this time, although there's four to five hundred years of silence be, between the prophecy and the prophecy was saying, here comes someone that's going to pave the way and point the way to Jesus. And then, then the Messiah is going to come. All of Israel was waiting God's people were waiting for this and longing. They were longing for this. Now, 
for some of them, I'm sure they're like, this has been way too long. I'm going to do something else for a while. Right? But, but a lot of them, they just held on to these promises. And, and Zechariah was a priest. He was holding on to that. He was fulfilling this duty. And he, he like drew the lottery that day to even be able to go in and light the incense. So he's praying not only for a child because his wife's barren. He's been praying for that for years. But he's also praying as a priest and a people. God, come. We, we, we expect you to come and fulfill your promise. So there he is in the, in the uh, holy place and, and lighting the incense. And, and all of a sudden, Gabriel appears. The angel appears to him and says, listen, you're going to have a son, and it's going to be John. It's going to be the one that's been prophesied about, and he's going to make way for Jesus. You'd think that Zechariah would be so excited and so overjoyed, like, wow, everything I've prayed for, everything I've hoped for has come true. Yay, God. But what, remember what he said? He said, no way. No way. Not me. And Gabriel just shook his head. So I've been face to face with God, and I'm here to tell you this is true, and you don't believe. And, and he put down a judgment on Zechariah. Yeah, you will conceive. Your wife will conceive. But you're going to be not able to speak. And, and the, the text really almost means mute, right? You can't speak or hear. So he's, he's got this curse on him, a judgment on him for not believing, right? He didn't believe and trust, didn't say, yay, God, finally. And today we're going to see a little bit of the opposite of that, someone that had great faith in response to the message about Christ and God's promise coming and being fulfilled. So we saw, saw Zechariah that first time. And then last week, uh, Alistair preached on the annunci- annunci- announcement, I'm sorry, of uh, the birth of Christ, right, to Mary and to Joseph. So Mary and Joseph, there are two different scenes there. And the angel came to Mary and said, listen, you, you have been chosen by God to carry the Messiah. And, and this, we're talking about a junior high girl pledged to be married to Joseph, right, a carpenter. This is just rocking her world, but she responded in great faith. And we're going to see more of that response today. And then uh, we know it wasn't exactly in, in order uh, chronologically because what actually happened after the angel came to Mary was that she left right away and went out to the hill country to see Elizabeth and Zechariah. And she stayed there for three months or so. And then came back and at some point informed Joseph of what was going on. And then Joseph had time to mull it over and think about it. And then we see uh, Gabriel appear to, uh, to Joseph in a dream, right? And tell him, listen, this, this kid is, it's legitimate. It's, it's from Jesus. It's for, it's from, it is Jesus. It's from God, right? And he is, he is going to be the Savior of the world. Stay with her. Raise the kid. Name him Jesus. And he says, okay, I'll do that. He responds in faith too. That's kind of the chronological order. But we're going to see what happened between like that, during that visit, and when she goes to see Elizabeth today, we're going to see how, how that all played out. Uh, and today, the, the sermon title is, Mary Responds to Christ. And I, I thought through how, how to name that and how to title that. Really, it is a response to Christ, because Gabriel says, listen, you're going to have Jesus. And now she has this, this response. How, how am I going to respond to Jesus, to being the mother of Jesus, and to just the provision of the Lord through Jesus Christ? And listen, as we go through this today, the same question needs to be asked of us in our hearts. How are we responding to Jesus? Especially now in this time of Christmas season when it's all on our minds, it's all in the songs. Whether you're, you're the world or not the world, you're Christian or not, I mean, you're, people are singing Christmas songs because it's Christmas time. Whether they want to say happy holidays or not, it's Christmas. And we're singing about Jesus. He's on our minds and our hearts, and there should be a response from our mind and our heart as well. And we'll see how Mary responded. Hopefully, we'll respond similarly to Mary as well. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. Let me pray for us, and then we'll read that text together. Father, thank you so much for your great love for us. We thank you for your grace that you have given us through Jesus Christ as you've offered him to be our sacrifice for our sins. That he came and willingly laid himself down on a cross. 
He suffered and died for our sins. He bled to forgive us. And Lord, as he went to the grave, he did not stay there. He was risen on the third day to conquer death once and for all. And we are so thankful. And we, we are here today to worship and serve and learn from a living God and be guided by the power of his Holy Spirit. So God, open our hearts and minds today to be receptive. Let us, let us analyze where our hearts are. Are they in a place of surrender and a place of, of proper response to Christ or are they lacking in some way? I pray that you would convict us of sin and that, God, you would move us to a place of repentance and belief and trust and faith in Christ, a place of obedient faith, where we, where we are being conformed and shaped into the image of the Son, Jesus. And it's in his glorious name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. And I'll read that uh, full in its entirety, then we'll break it apart, okay? So right after the angel left her, it goes in the next verse, 39. In those days Mary sent out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is she who has, be has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months, and then she returned to her home. All right, well, let's, let's break this apart. Let's see what, what's happening here. Uh, again, I titled this, Mary's, Mary Responds to Christ. So we're going to look at four ways uh, that we see Mary respond to Christ in this passage. Number one, Mary responds to Christ with faith. She responds with faith. Let's look at the passage again, verses 39 through 40, 45. It says, in those days, Mary set out. Now stop there. You think about this. She had just heard about, about going to be having Je she have Jesus, right? And she's heard this news. And what does she do? She sets out. See, here's what happens with faith. When we hear from God, we trust God, and then we act on what God has said to us. Amen? We do something with that. Faith is not just sitting back and, okay, I, I, I believe it. We do what we believe. We, we talk about that all the time. Think about your finances. If you believe you should contribute in some way to something, it should be reflected in your bank account or in your, in your checkbook register, right? Well, it, what's important to us, what we really believe is written down there. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we say, what comes out of our mouth, is what comes from our heart, right? There are things in our life that are tattletales for what we really believe. Action is those things, right? When, whatever we do shows and is the proof. Mary set out and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted 
Elizabeth. She, she wasn't messing around. The, the angel Gabriel just said, you're going to have Jesus. And, and she's like, I don't know how that's going to happen because I haven't been with a man. And no, no, God's going to take care of that. Don't you worry. Then, and she, then he goes on to tell her, by the way, Elizabeth, right, your cousin, she, she's going to have a, uh, a baby as well. And she was thought to be barren. And the angel goes on and says, you know how that's, how that's possible? Because nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. So she had just heard this news and is like, nothing's impossible with God. This is amazing. I've got to go share in this information. I'm going to have Jesus. She's having a baby. She, she was not supposed to. This is amazing. So she doesn't waste any time. She doesn't stop on the side, little, little strip malls, and, and she doesn't meander. She doesn't go too long at the rest stop. She plans her trip, and she goes. And she goes. And she gets there, and this is probably five to six days. It might have been that, that long of travel to get there. So she's five to six days pregnant when she shows up at Elizabeth's house. Now I want you to see this story, how it enters this great faith. She, she responds to Christ with faith. So she hurried there, and she entered the house, and she greeted Elizabeth. It's customary to, to go to someone's house, and you kind of enter their doorway, and you announce who you are. You, you say, hello, Elizabeth, it's Mary. Right? And so she greeted, and well, why did she greet Elizabeth? I kind of thought about that. Why did she do that? Well, if indeed he couldn't speak and he couldn't hear, no need to say, hey, Zechariah, right? He's not going to hear you. So you say, hey, Elizabeth, greeted Elizabeth. But she really wanted to know what was going on with Elizabeth because she was the one that was pregnant, right? Greetings to Elizabeth. And that was, that was the customary thing. Then it says in verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her. That's John, right? That's John the baptizer, the forerunner of Jesus, one going to be pointing the way to Jesus. It, there's great joy there. And if you look at John, some history of John, and study that on your own, you'll see how, how much joy he has in, in proclaiming the greatness of Christ. And it says, so the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. We learned a couple weeks ago that the baby, John, was filled from conception, from the womb, with the Holy Spirit. Now, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and as she's filled with the Holy Spirit, she speaks. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. It's like, what a blessing. She, she comes and says, and she just says, Elizabeth, and the Holy Spirit, Mary says nothing else, and the Holy Spirit convinces her of what's going on, and she says, you are blessed, Mary. She goes on and says, how could this happen to me? So Elizabeth's like, how, how do I get so lucky? How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That word Lord there is used in Psalm, also talking about the Lord, the Messiah, the Anointed One. She understands, Elizabeth understands without Mary saying a thing, that Christ, the Messiah, is inside of her. I want to note here, this is a five or six-day-old zygote inside of Mary that causes so much leaping for joy and movement in the hearts of people. Jesus, of power. I, I mentioned a couple, a couple years ago during our series at Christmas what a great rebuke it was to humanity. Like, we're, we're pretty strong. We're adults. We're tough. Or some of us are kids, but we're still, we can walk, right? A baby had to come and do what we couldn't do. Now we see this five-day-old zygote, this conception inside of Mary, is still tougher than any human ability and can move the hearts of people. How could I get so lucky that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Here's the last part here in verse 45. Blessed is she who... And we're going to see this. Who's blessed? Blessed is she who has believed 
that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Elizabeth, Mary hasn't said a thing still. And Elizabeth knows this, and sees this great faith that Mary has, understands that with the great faith it took to say yes to the task, to be willing, to be a willing servant. Interesting to see here, you know, Zechariah can't hear, can't speak. Uh, this, is, he's not, this isn't pointing it to him. But you think about Elizabeth and what she's had to ponder over the, the months before this, because Zechariah comes out in disbelief, right? The angel came and said, this is what's going to happen. He says, no way. That's, I, how, no way. And this moment, and it's a culmination of this time where Elizabeth, I'm sure, has pondered and pondered and pondered, and Zechariah has pondered and pondered and pondered, and they all believe this statement. Blessed is she, blessed is you, blessed is he, blessed are we all. Blessed are those who have believed what the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken. You see, we can be blessed when we believe in faith that the Lord will do what he's going to do. And certainly Mary was blessed because she had believed that the Lord would fulfill what he had spoken to her. I want, I want to also note here that this response of faith, what, what it caused and stirred in Mary, this response of faith in God to provide Christ caused her to run towards community. Now, you could argue she ran away from her community. Yeah, maybe, but, but Elizabeth, Zechariah, they would know better than anyone what was going on, right? So she ran to those who were the most like-minded people, the most in tune with faith, in tune with circumstances. She ran towards community. Now, here's what that means for you and I. God will stir in our hearts. God will reveal something. God will teach us something new. And he'll, he'll give us an opportunity to believe and increase our faith. But oftentimes we passively sit back and wonder, is it really going to increase? Is that really what God said? And that lie comes straight from the devil's mouth, doesn't it? Did God really say? What we ought to do when God is speaking to our heart and saying something that would increase or build our faith is run to those who would encourage that increase and encourage that building of our faith. That is why we have God's people. And it's not just Sunday morning, it's any morning that you need something. You run to your people. People who have your back. The people who know Jesus and love Jesus. The people who will trust him and encourage you to trust him all the more mary's faith was celebrated and she believed and submitted to god's will right and god led her towards community god led her towards people of mutual belief mutual experiences and mutual hope mary's life was encouraged and her faith in god was confirmed and strengthened during that time mary trusted god and god took care of mary Think about that time now. She stays there for three months or so and think about the conversations that are had, the joy that's had, the excitement that's had, the, the questions that come up. What a great place, what a great venue in that community to do that, to pray through those things, to think through those things, to strengthen one's faith. So we see the first response. Mary's first response to Christ is with faith. Number two, Mary responds to Christ with her whole being with her whole being. Now, I want to make a differentiation here. Certainly when uh, a person is pregnant, right, when, when, when one of you gals is pregnant, it's a whole body thing, right? It's connected every way and every which way. That's not what I'm talking about. That's, that's a given. This is with her whole spirit and soul. Let's look on the text here. She responds with her whole being, verses 46 through 47. It says, and Mary says, so now, now Mary speaks, right? All of this goes on, and now Mary speaks, and this is Mary's song. 
Mary said, My soul praises or magnifies the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. An amazing, amazing start to this. Where does she start? She starts saying, How great is our God. The phrase here meant to show that Mary is magnifying God. Like she's, she's just building him up, making him bigger. But we understand that we really cannot make any God any bigger than he already is, right? We're, we're, it's, it's not up to us to build God to make him bigger. It, what, what happens is he becomes bigger in us. Amen? There are, there are times in our life and seasons in our life, and I want you to think about this. Uh, maybe it's a season. Maybe it happens once a week. Maybe your Sunday morning is the time where God just, man, he reveals himself in an amazing way, or you learn something crazy awesome about Jesus, and it just increases your faith, right? That's what's happening. She has a, a new way of thinking, a new perspective, something added that builds the picture, and she is just blown away by the grandeur of God. So her soul praises God and the greatness of God. It builds up. You know, we magnify or enlarge God also when we take, uh, take him into our thinking, and we take into some thinking, like new aspect about who he is, his character, or his nature. You know, I've heard a lot of comments from the, the first start of this series when we started talking about the Word and talking about God and the Trinity and, and we talked about the humanity of Christ. Some of you are like, man, that was just so rich and so, so big and I got such a big picture of God. My faith grew and that's what it's intended to do. In fact, anytime we open the Word, our faith in Christ should grow. Our knowledge and thinking of Christ should be more clear and more correct in our faith and should grow and we should be able to magnify the Lord with that. After the angel Gabriel had visited Mary, she began to think bigger and grander thoughts, right? You think about that encounter. Just She's going about her business. She trusts God. She knows God. She knows a lot of the Old Testament. She's seen the stories, heard the stories, recited the stories, quoted the stories, and, and she just loves God. But then the angel comes and says, here's what's happening. God's covenant promise is going to be fulfilled in you. And now her mind just goes, right? Just blows her mind, and it increases her grandeur and her way of thinking about God, especially God in her life. Her praise was just an overflow of his grandeur. It was not meant to puff up God to be bigger than he is. It was meant as a way that she is overflowing with how she sees our great and glorious God. But it was with all of her being. His greatness should move us. All of us. Not just all of us, but all of us. She said the, the two phrases there, my soul praises the greatness of, the, of God and what my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. It's a soul and spirit combination. What she's saying is, with everything that I am, it's going to this. It's going to praise Him, to lift Him. It's going to magnify Him. All that I am wants to be all in with Jesus. Jesus mentioned this when He was talking to the woman at the well. Right? There's a Samaritan woman at the well, and, and they're talking about worship and how you worship, how I worship. And he says, an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers, here's the deal, true worshipers. I want to be a true worshiper. Do you want to be a true worshiper? Okay, well, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him that way. Th this is what it is. It's with the whole spirit, with everything we've got, all of who we are should be all in with Jesus. David writes in Psalm 108, my heart is confident, God. I will sing, I will sing praises with my whole, or the whole of my being. I will sing praises with the whole of my being. Sometimes I think what we do out here in the pews, singing this way, is a little deficient, because it doesn't look like that sometimes, right? 
And it's hard. We have to put ourselves in that position. But, but the grandeur and glory of God and who God is and what He's done in our lives should explode and overflow out of us in, mag, in, in magnificent praise to Him. Not only in, in singing praise, but in speaking praise or in serving praise, in humility and, and loving other people. That should come out in all kinds of ways. Mary exclaimed her praise to God. She was not only enlarging the Lord with her mind but, and on her lips, but with a passion from her whole being. It was a whole thing. It was, she was all in. She was not partway in. She was all in. Her full being was eager and willing to surrender to the Lord. For you and I, God, God seeks people like, like Mary. God seeks people whose entire soul and spirit are engaged in active worship and service of the Lord. What does that mean for you and me? You and I need to check our hearts. I think oftentimes, and maybe it's easier in America than it would be in a persecuted country like we just prayed about, we can compartmentalize things pretty easily, can't we? We can have an experience at church and grow. Okay, that was great. I'll put that on my, on my little bookshelf here and I'll come back to that when I need it. And we'll go about our business and do our other things. And we, and we may disobey God in some way or sin in some way and be like, I'm okay with that. This is still on the shelf over here. I'll go back to it when I need it. God's like, no, no, that's not how this works. I, I want people to come and worship me with all of their being. Love the Lord, Lord your God with what? All your heart and soul and your mind and your strength. All of it. Not just a little bit. So when you and I conveniently put him on a back burner or set him aside or compartmentalize God and the greatness and grandeur of God, he's like, that's not very great or grand. Do something with me. I, I, I came and I died on a cross that you should have died on. I've given my life for you so that you may live. You can serve me with everything you've got. And we should want that. If he has become our greatest treasure, there is no other treasure to prioritize that's greater than him. He should be our everything and we should worship with our whole being. Mary did. How else did Mary respond? Well, number three, Mary responds to Christ with humility. She responds to Christ with humility. Let's look at the next part of the passage, verses 48 through 50. So she said, my soul praises, right? She said, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And now it's the because section. I, I want us to understand this very, very well. So here it goes, because. So why is she praising God? Because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now all generations will call me blessed. Now, now I want you to listen to something here. When we say all generations will call me blessed, some people put a period there and stop. And we, we look at how Elizabeth called, like, blessed are you among women. We, we start to, what, what, what does the world start to do? They start to elevate Mary. I think Mary would be rolling over in her grave, right? Or standing next to Jesus now. I'm like, what are you doing down there? Because that is not what she's saying about. Let's start again. She says, Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord. What is she, what did, wait, her soul praises what? The greatness of the Lord, and her spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Why? Because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. There's the because. Why am I praising? Because he has looked on at favor at, with to me the humble condition of his servant. He's given favor to me. He's not elevating, he's giving favor. Surely from now all generations will call me blessed. Next verse, because, why is Mary blessed? Because 
the mighty one, God, the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. See, there is no elevation of Mary here. Mary goes and says, I humbly give everything and they say, but I'm going to puff myself up. That's not what Mary says. Mary says, everything is owed to Jesus. Everything is owed to the Lord. It is His. He is the grand one. He is the mighty one. He is the merciful one. He is the holy one. He is the one that does great things. Amen? It's not about Mary being divine or blessed. She is blessed because God has looked on her with favor. God has interacted with her like He has done with you and I as well. Let's look at a couple of those things that are said there. Humble condition. We're talking about the humble condition of, of, of the servant Mary. What was that condition? Well, here's what it was. The humble condition that Mary's talking about is her acknowledgement and her people's acknowledgement that neither she nor her people could do anything. They could not do anything to bring about their own deliverance. She knew that. God saw the need and came to the rescue because that's how God does things. Amen? He sees the need and he comes to the rescue. And Mary humbly cast herself upon God as the only one who could help her. That's what a humble condition of a servant is. And we must continually realize that Christ eagerly comes to those who realize their need. That's what Mary's saying. I have a need, I have a great need, and God met that need, and he meets that need for any who have, have the need. I want to read a passage out of Luke chapter 4. This is Jesus, and he's, he's in Nazareth. He came home to Nazareth where, he, where he'd been brought up, and as usual, it says, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. This is out of Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. So he, st- he stands up to read, right? He's there in his own home, home synagogue. He stands up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. Now, this is Jesus reading the Scriptures. It's like when I come up here and read the Scriptures. He's reading the Scriptures, but this is Jesus. There's going to be this awkward silence in a minute when they're like, wait a minute, what did he just read? Okay, here here we go. So he's given the scroll. Here, read this. And here's what it says. He reads it. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He has set uh, to set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then it says, He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, and he went out and sat down. Like, oh, it was kind of silent. It says, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. Like, wait, Jesus, something just happened. You just wait, what did we just look at? And and look, who who does he want to come eagerly save and rescue? Well, he opens this up. He, He says, to the poor and to the captives and to the blind and to the oppressed. I've come to save. I've come to seek and save the lost. So everyone's eyes are looking at him. They're like, what do we do now? Is there something big going on? And then he he began by saying to them, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Talk about a mic drop in the synagogue. Jesus says, I'm here. The Messiah is here. The one that's anointed is here to preach good news to the poor, right? To proclaim release to the captives to, uh, and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free the oppressed. She, she had a humble, lowly state, Mary did, wasn't she? 
That's who God speaks to. That's who God uses. He can't use the proud. In fact, he sends the proud away. And we see in Matthew 5, this is Sermon on the Mount, 5, 3 through 5, he says, Blessed are, right, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek or humble, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus is speaking. He's saying, if you, if you want everything, you've got to be nothing. Continually, that's the, the theme in Scripture. And Mary celebrated that the Lord had done this for her, and he met her in her humble state. And if you and I find ourselves in some proud state, proud condition, besides being proud that Jesus took care of us, if we find ourselves in some proud condition saying, look what I've achieved, look what I've done, look at all that I am, we don't get it. Jesus needs us to be found in a place of the lowliest form, of the meekest, of the humblest, where he can then speak to our heart, where he can then rescue, where he then can lift up. Mary would not be called blessed because she was great or holy or divine in any way. See, Mary understood that her blessing was that the Lord was mighty to save and that she got to participate as a humble servant with him and what he was doing. And listen, I mentioned this earlier, she is not the only one that would be called blessed. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we too can see the blessing of Christ in us and among us. In humble faith, the Messiah overwhelms his children with a rescue that only he can provide and a security that only he can assure. We are also blessed. And see, you, you and I, like Mary, have this opportunity and this necessity to respond to Christ. Listen, every single person on the face of the planet will have had opportunity to respond to Christ. And it is so imperative that we respond with humble faith and trust in Him as Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way else. This is the only way to heaven. And I provided it. There's only one way, and I'm giving it to you. Reach your hand out and take it. Humble yourself. Get over yourself. Get over your own idea of what, what it takes to get to heaven and say, I want Jesus instead. Because Jesus died in my place. He died in your place. He died the death I deserved. He did the work I could never do fully so that I could be with Him through faith in Christ. It takes faith. It takes that belief. It takes my heart saying, God, I, I, want, I want you. I want none of what I have built up. I want none of what I've accumulated. I want none of what my ideas say are right. I want all of you. And through faith in Christ, He forgives us by the blood poured out on the cross. And there's a day coming that is mentioned in Matthew 25. I want to read this. I want to, I want to show you how how we are called blessed as well. Mary is called blessed and we are called blessed. We who have faith in Christ. Uh, Jesus is talking in Matthew 25, verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory with all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
What does faith in Christ get us? What does humble faith in Christ get us? Gets us Christ and everything he offers. What does proud rejection of the Messiah get you? Proud rejection of the Messiah. Nothing. Nothing at all. If we have faith, we should respond to God with praise for the eternal blessings we have in Christ Jesus. Mary continues talking about this uh, humility, and she mentions God's merciful and mighty power in verses 49 and 50. Now remember, that this, this word power is interesting because she uses it uh, kind of in line with and uh, with the power she heard earlier. Uh, remember, the angel Gabriel is talking to her and says, you're going to be pregnant with a baby, and she's like, how can I have this happen? Uh, I haven't been with a man, and she's, God will take care of that, right? Angel, angel says that, and then says, by the way, Elizabeth, your cousin, who you, you thought was barren, she is pregnant with child. Why? And Gabriel explains, because nothing is impossible with God. That word impossible is the same type of, type of root word we're talking about here when she says he has mighty power. God's mighty power is enough to do what? The impossible. God's mighty power is enough to do the impossible because nothing is impossible with God. And now Mary had seen this with her own eyes and she was praising how mighty God was and how how big he was and what he could do. He makes dry wombs conceive. He removes hearts of stone and replaces them with living hearts. He raises the dead. And this is why you and I, like Mary, should not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. The power of God for salvation. So she, in this humble way, continued to elevate God and lower herself. It's not about me. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. And we are not ashamed of that. Finally, how does she respond to Christ? Mary responds with hope in God's covenant. She responds with hope in God's covenant. Back to the text, we're looking at Luke 1, 51 through 56, or through 55. She continues, He has done a mighty deed with his arm. She's, now she's saying past tense things, things he's done and accomplished. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering his mercy to Abraham Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. She is clinging to a covenant that God has made with his people, a covenant that goes all the way back to Abraham, and in fact, a covenant that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when God promises that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent once and for all. Look what's, oh, I got goosebumps right there. Look what's happening right here. Mary's in the middle of this, and her, her heart is exclaiming this. But Mary is, is, a, is a learned, heritage-filled, heritage-rich girl. She knows the Word. She knows the promises of God. She clings to that. She knows the stories of the patriarchs. She knows the stories of all these, these gals in the Scripture who were faithful to God and trusted God in faith in deep times. In fact, on your discussion sheet on the back page of your sermon notes, there's an extra reading part. Uh, Mary's song, it, it, it lines up very much with Hannah's song from 1 Samuel chapter 2. 
And you can read that later with your family. It's amazing to see. And it, 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 we wonder, why did she copy? Well, probably. She probably had that song so ingrained in her heart that she knew it full-fledged when she was there at Elizabeth's house. She knew it so well, and it, it just came out of her. Said, here it is. But read that later. Check that out. But she is so rich in knowing how God has continued to provide for his people. And not only had he provided for his people, he is going to now provide again for his people through the covenant promise of the Messiah that she happens to be carrying inside of her. Mary knew, and she, she treasured this heritage. She tre- treasured these stories. And, and I, as she's as she saying this, I, I, my thought goes to a few things. You know, she says, it, they scattered, he scattered the proud, right, because of their thoughts of their hearts. He's toppled the mighty from their thrones. You think about the proud, maybe, maybe it was Pharaoh was the proud. She thinks back to Pharaoh when he had, had her people in captivity and how proud he was of that, but how God, what? God had a reversal planned, and God saved his people and crushed Pharaoh and his army. Then maybe she thought about Haman in the book of Esther and Haman trying to come against the Jewish people and wipe them out. And eventually there was a reversal that happened, and God and his sovereignty protected them and toppled them. Or maybe talking about the, the toppling the mighty off their thrones, thinking about Nebuchadnezzar. You think about uh, the book of Daniel. I'm going to read a part of this, this story with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is pretty much full of himself. I mean, he makes a tower of gold of himself. Everyone should worship. I mean, he looks at it. He, ma- he makes an expansive kingdom. He has some great, great works as far as, you know, buildings and structures and, and, and infrastructure. And it's pretty crazy what he accomplished. But here's what he did one day. He's, in, in Daniel 4, 29 and following, here, here's what happens. Uh, he's, he's walking on the top of the roof uh, of the royal palace in Babylon. And he exclaims, Is this not Babylon the great that I have built to be a royal residence by, by my vast power and for my majestic glory? Whoa. Don't say that. The scripture says, As the words were still coming out of his mouth, God's judgment came down. Oh, no, you didn't. And God sent him into the grass fields to graze like a cow who went out of his mind and he grew like hairy feathers and claws and he was out there for seven seasons. God said, I'll show you. You think you're that majestic. You'll be in the field for a long time. Then later on, there's this reversal. Here's what happens. God's amazing, loving covenant with us is a reversal. He exalts the humble, right? But those who exalt themselves are humbled. That's what happens. That's the reversal. And he comes to our rescue through the Messiah. So at the end of this time, uh, in Daniel 4, we see, we see Nebuchadnezzar's response. There's a change of heart here, I would hope to say. Verse 34, At the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High God, and I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is, not, there is no one who can block his hand or say to him, What have you done? God is God. There's no one else besides him. And Mary, in this song, she understands that there is hope in the covenant promise of God. That although it might be messed up today, there will be a day when it all goes right. And we've even seen that in our history and heritage from, from Mary's time forward. I'll just mention one of those things. Yesterday, what was yesterday? Pearl Harbor, right? The anniversary, no, it was the, yes, the, the attack, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. But what was, what was the opposite of that? What, what happened in June? What was the reversal? What happens in June? D-Day happens in June. 
Hitler and his armies and the powers might think they have, they have majesty over the world, but what happens? A reversal happens. Justice is won in the end, and eventually for us in our hearts, Jesus ultimately wins. There will be a day when the, all the armies of heaven come to face the king and his anointed, and they will perish by the word out of his mouth, because he is God. If you and I think that we can rise to the top through some form of human superiority or moral excellence, we have deceived ourselves and we have a whole nother thing coming. We have to humble ourselves. We have to say, I, I'm nothing. Whatever I've counted as gain, I count as a loss in exchange for the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Why? Because Matthew 23, Jesus says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The gospel of Jesus Christ lifts up the humble and casts down the proud. In our response to Christ, you and I ought to continually be prepared in our hearts for the reversal that Christ will achieve and bring. Those who feel superior by their own works or by their own merit, they feel they have no need for a Savior, are the ones that he will send away. But you and I must humble ourselves and eagerly, eagerly hunger with heart, soul, mind, and strength for all that God offers to us. There's an uh, encouragement in Revelation chapter 3, writing this, these, pending these letters to the churches. It says, For I say to you, I am rich. Or, sorry, for, sorry. For you say, I am rich. I have become wealthy and I need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see where pride gets us? Pride makes us delusional. He says, I advise to you today to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed and, and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. And see, when God's Spirit allows us to see us for who we really are, it should humble us to a place to graciously receive the Savior and hunger and thirst for what only He can offer. Psalm 63, 1 says, says, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. You ever have that? Just that hunger, that thirst, that, that need for Jesus? We should have it all the time. So why is it that only the Lord can satisfy? And why is it that we should only seek the Lord. I want to read one little passage out of Romans, and this is, this is building on what Mary has just said about Abraham. I'll, re I'll reread that real quick. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. So he's helped Israel. He's, he's remembered his mercy to Abraham. Then we, we have a conversation about Abraham in Romans and Romans, and how his faith was credited to him as righteousness. So in Romans chapter 4, picking up in verse 22, here's what it says. It says, Therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness, right? His faith was. Now, it was credited to him was not written for Abraham alone. Here's what it means. It's not, we're not just talking about Abraham. This righteousness can't, isn't, just, isn't just credited to him. It's, it's not just for him alone, but also for us. It will be credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Amen? 
See, there's a righteousness that you and I can have and can only have that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why it's all about Jesus. That's why we've got to get off of our our own high horse and and come down to a humble state and say, I'm going to humbly believe and receive Christ. I'm going to trust Him as Savior. I'm going to elevate Him all the rest of my life with all my soul, all my heart, all my mind, all my strength because He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Because God's covenant of mercy to Abraham has been extended to all of us through faith in Christ, we are all adopted into God's family forever. That's the joy. That's the joy of Christmas. That's the joy of Mary's song, that this fulfillment of God's hesed love, his enduring faithful covenant love comes. And everything we are should celebrate the hope of God's love and that covenant. And I hope that you and I hope that, that I would respond to Christ just like Mary, with all that we are, in deep faith, in deep humility, trusting and hoping in the covenant of God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. <clears throat> Father, we, we pause now to acknowledge your your greatness, your superiority, God. And we ask that you would give us this moment to check our heart, to humble ourselves. God, that you would, you would let us know exactly who we are and exactly who we are in Christ through faith. We thank you for a righteousness that's been achieved for us through Christ. We thank you for the, the place that he took on that cross that was my place. And what he achieved through the shedding of blood was the forgiveness of my sin. And Lord, we know that through faith in Christ, we can be forgiven and made whole because of him. Help us respond to Christ like Mary responded to Christ. With deep faith, with deep humility, God. With a knowledge and a hope of what he's bringing through his covenant. That we trust that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close, it's our opportunity to respond, to overflow with all of our heart and soul. And maybe you just need to stand and sing it.